get a little older, I realize life is perspective. And my perspective may differ from yours. I want to say thank you to everyone that's been down with me. All my fans, all my beautiful fans. Anyone who's ever gave me a listen. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? We are back. We are back. We are back. Uh, the Barely OGs, finally back in the building, man. We didn't, you know, life didn't got in the way, brother, but we back. So what up, Rufus? What's good with you? Man, I am good. I just left from seeing um, Dr. Strange finally. I'm um, hating. It's been, I'm it's hating. Been, it's, been a, it's been a weekend, man. I heard the, the new Kendrick album this weekend. I, I'm tired, man. Went to went down. Oh, Hold your horses. Hold your horses. No, it's, it's it's a lot going on, man. But I'm here, man. It's good to be back in barely OG land. Yep. So um, as some of our guests can see, um, we're gonna be uh get right into it. Get we got some uh got some dope topics today. Um, I want to introduce the uh my homie um and uh, Officer Donnell Jackson, who is the uh. Dang, I just blanked on the title. You tell me your title, D, to introduce yourself. Uh, how's everyone doing? Uh, Donnell Jackson, current deputy chief for Detroit Public Schools Department of Public Safety. Bam, and there it is. Um, yeah, man, so uh, we'd like to welcome to the show, especially um, in this climate with everything that's been going down. It's been an interesting three, four weeks, but, you know, first we're going to, um, you know, just kick it, talk about us, man, so um, D, how's your uh week been, man? What you how's everything going for you? Just observing life and all that good stuff and work, everything else. Or everything in between. Talking to you, D. You know what, brother? I thought you were. Uh <laughs> kind of got distracted real briefly. All is well this way. Uh I have uh three boys. And my oldest just got a car. Uh, so that's a whole different conversation. Because I wasn't 16 with a car. I didn't get a car until I was 19. Right. So, you know, he's out here doing his thing. So, uh, you know, a little bit of angst, but at the same time, a bit of relief because I'm no longer Uber. I don't need to drive everywhere. So uh, other than that, you know, all is well in the world. That's what's up. Yeah, I think about that stuff too, man. Like, you know, me having two boys right now is, um, you know, all daddy all the time. Daddy's the hero, but, you know, tripping. I know it's going to come a point where we're like, hey, Pops, you can stay at home. You know, throw me the keys. You know, we're about to go get some pizza. I'm going to be like, what What happened to my best friends? Like, what? what's going on? But then it's like, but then it's like I wanted to be men. And, you know what I'm saying? Strike, they can't be daddy's boys forever, so. I know that's got to be interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, 13 is that number. Uh, and I re- No, actually, it's 12. 13 is usually the pinnacle of where you want to do something to them. Uh, 12 is where it starts. You know, they no longer want you to put them in the headlock. They don't care about being around you. Uh, just, just it's it, man. And But it gets better, you know, 12 to about 14 and a half, 15. By the time they get to 15, they melt, the hormones have mellowed out. They are uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Uh, voice is a lot deeper, but 
But when they come out on the other side, they kind of revert back to that that little boy that they were. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Now, I know you feel the same way, Rufus, since you got two boys. And I know that your little girl, she always going to be uh, a daddy's girl. She probably she ain't never going nowhere. Yeah, my heart, the boy's not growing up fast enough. And, and my, <laughs> my daughter's growing up too fast. She's going to be three next month. And then my boy, I feel like she's catching up with my boys in maturity already. Uh, sometimes, so it's it's real, real interesting, man. I, we had we was blessed enough to to get a couple uh, babysitters uh, this weekend, man. And so that's that's a, a a real blessing when you when you can get away and just just kind of take some time away from. Them. It's good to go on go out with them, but it's certain stuff to come with. It's good to just be able to let your guard down and just just hang with your lady and just chill, even if you don't do nothing. We came back and the boys asked, "What y'all do?" I said, "We ain't do nothing, but we get away." Yep. And so that's that. That's so. Sometimes that's enough. That's like they be like, "Why you don't want to go out with us?" That's because y'all little player haters. That's why. Indeed. So, so we're gonna um, hop right into it, man. We're gonna do a couple suck, do a couple quick topics to lighten the mood, man. So um, I'm gonna kick us off, man. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, I think the most. Uh, most dope right now, or most important, of course, is these playoffs. Um, I don't know why, but I've, I've been extra glued to the TV for each game. Um, I'm a little surprised that uh, Milwaukee just got popped. Um, they uh, essentially almost got the brakes beat off of them. I thought it was going to be a whole lot closer than this, man. I expected – I don't know what I expected, man, but uh, you only had two people um, over 20 points – and that was Drew and uh, I mean Drew and Giannis, and hey, that's about that it, man. man. Get off that man named Giroux. Giroux, brother ethnic, but uh, yeah, the Celtics weren't playing, bro. Especially uh, uh, Tatum, man. I think Tatum is about to be that max deal, uh, that guy, man. It's it was yeah, it was brutal. You expect it. You know what you expected. You expected the the, uh, the reigning champions not to uh, get put out in the second round. That's what you expect. And you expected um, who some consider the best player in the league, um, and, and Giannis, to be the difference maker. And both of those things were disappointing, and and they didn't come to pass. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I, um. I think Drew. I think um, Drew Holiday was uh, severely missed, man. I think if it was, if he was, I mean, not not Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton was uh, sorely missed, man. Yeah, I mean, but, hey, you need you need your whole st you need your whole roster. But if we think back on on a lot of the the most recent champions, they took advantage of people's depleted rosters, and it is what it is. It is. That's what a game is played. Where yep. it is, <laughs> you got to be ready when your number when when it's when it's when it's time to go. Because even when you go back to Kawhi Leonard when he won in Toronto, he only won because two people tore their Achilles. You know? Basically, and, and you you can go down the line. You can keep going down the line. Uh, so you just got to be ready. So D, who you got? Um, next game, Phoenix and uh, Dallas. Who you going? I'm riding with Phoenix, man. I I, I really have uh, – I've been rocking with Chris Paul since day one, so I love to see him, you know, get the opportunity to uh, 
you know, get him a chip before he hang it up. So I'm, I'm I've been riding with Phoenix all season. So uh, him and that young boy uh, Booker, I think they're gonna do their thing tonight. What about you, Rufus? I would love to see Chris Paul get it, uh, but I wanted him to get it last year. I felt like that was as close as he was gonna get, and he blew that. They had a two-zero lead. They had a two-zero lead in this series, and I feel like there's no reason to go ahead and root for him. He might just be destined to end his career just like Allen Iverson, without a ring. And I feel like I feel like Luca might might go ahead and dismantle them boys um, for nothing because I don't think they're gonna win the championship. But I, I, I'll call I'll call I'll call Mavs on this. I, I would love I would love for Chris Paul to get something. But I think he's destined to to just be a stats uh, stats legend and and not have the rings. You know, I I root I do be rooting for Chris Paul. I do, but I feel like at this stage of his career, it's almost like you need, you can either count on him to either get injured in the playoffs or start playing like Cliff Paul. And uh, right now, he be playing like Cliff Paul for like the last uh, three games. You know, since they uh, since they pushed his, pushed his mom and his and his wife, he ain't been on the square. I don't know what it is, but if they don't, it's, it's almost like a question mark for the night. I, I don't, I can't call it. That that's one game I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, if Phoenix somehow gets popped by Dallas, I'm gonna go bold prediction and say Boston gonna win the championship. Boston is hotter. They are hotter than fish grease right now, and uh, they playing like a cohesive unit. And I really don't see the Heat um, catching up with them or Dallas. So I'm going Boston within the chip if uh, Phoenix don't win tonight. I could ride with that. I could. Uh, I could. I could definitely see that that uh, playing out that way. Boston is is doing something that I didn't think anybody thought they would do. Everybody knew Boston was good. But I don't think that um, people saw them clicking this late into the into this journey, and that's a dangerous thing for anybody else. Yeah, Boston's been been that team that has been right there for the past about five years, and they've been looking for little pieces like Kyrie Irving and and uh, I forget the, the the other point guard that they had. Um, they've been looking for little pieces to get there, and they had they kept their core this whole time. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, you know, they got out, you know, they got these players that's just they understand the system, kind of like with uh Golden State, they understood the system back when they was running strong. Um, but I'm, I'm noticing not a lot of y'all uh got any faith in Golden State on here. No, uh, no, not this year, they don't uh. <laughs> they don't. They don't look kind of right, man. I think Jason Tatum is taking a light skin torch uh, for right now. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they're not the Golden State that everybody should have been fearing. They're they're a good team, but they're not what we used to with the Warriors. They do good to get rid of Clay, and it's not to say that Clay ain't the man, but they'll never get rid of Steph. No, and Jordan. I wouldn't either. Jordan Poole is better than than Clay. So what they could do is go ahead and trade for all them players that they got on that bench. You know, LA will LA will pay top dollar to get Clay Thompson on their team. You know, uh-huh. uh, 
and then they'll probably flow a little bit better. They'll get more points from Jordan Poole. But no, nah, I'm with y'all. It ain't, it ain't Golden State's year. No. Yep. So, uh, yeah, man, that's what I got. Sports is hot. And, um, I mean, basketball is hot right now, and we're on a countdown clock for NFL training camp. So I usually try not to get too excited about um, tra- training camp until uh, that first day, baby. I can't wait. So you just gonna gloss over the the, uh, the premier sport in the summer, and not gonna talk about uh, the WNBA. All right, man. You go ahead and let's get into uh, this or that. No, but for real though, I do think it's wild. Um, you know, I don't know if y'all have any thoughts. That they they've been holding Brittany Griner um, since uh, February, and they extended they extended it another another month. Another thirty days. <laughs> that is that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. And it ain't nothing America can do. Like we can't, nope. you can't. He's just like, yo, you broke, you broke the law on they on they land. So they rules. Yeah, it it is lucky that she only got extended to thirty days because that little penalty is carries a maximum of ten years over there. Yep. Yeah, and it, it it's just one of those. It's an unfortunate situation all the way around, but. Um, you know, hopefully other people watching, whether you an athlete or whether you, for whatever reason, want to travel to the Soviet Union or wherever, you have to familiarize yourself with how people get down. You know, we can stomp and pile all we want to on the sideline, but it's literally, it's nothing we can do about that. And, you know, she mess around and end up in a gulag somewhere. It's just, you got to be, you, you know, you have to be cool. You have to, you have to know what's happening. You know, yeah. people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So she went over there to, for work, though, right? And then got caught with the sub. Yeah. She got to yeah. play over there every year to supplement her income because they make the uh, women's league make more money in Russia than they do here. Mm. Yeah, so people need to sign up for that WNBA league pass. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no way, my brother. All right, you on your own. All right, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with sports, bro. I'm just being honest. I don't want the league pass for the WNBA. I go on record and say it. You can have. Let me borrow your password there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you know. Oh man. So uh, I think we should transition into talking about that album because that's gonna. That I kind of. It kind of ties into my segment. I do have a top five, not of this or that. Um, so if you want to go ahead and introduce what you are calling the album of the year, um, then we can go into my my top five. Yeah, man. Um, boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar. Right now, he's in my top six, top five lyrically. Lyrically, he's definitely top ten. Um, but I don't think he he has a little way to go to be top five all time artists. But right now, lyrically, he's he's in my top. Top five, well, top six, because he rides right outside of my top five. I think the album is flawless. I think it is an artistic piece. So ten, um, ten out of ten, five mics. You say what? Ten out of ten, five mics. You give twelve out of ten, six mics. The album is uh, it transcends just hip hop, bro. It is not just a hip hop album. It is it's flawless, man. I guess, like me and my guy was talking, bro, I think it's part, um, the biggest part is that it's so refreshing to hear hip-hop 
because we've been listening to the same crap for like eight or nine years. Like I can't remember the last album that amazed me like this. The last album I got into like this was um, Detroit Two. You say what? I thought you was gonna say Certified Lover Boy. No, that album is dope too. But no, um, yeah, I had an album like this except for Detroit Two by Big Sean. Um, it ain't I stop. I ain't listening to nothing else for like three days. That's all I've been listening to. So just for reference, uh, you give this album six mics out of five. What other albums do you count that high? Just so we can know what scale you you how your scale is is measured. So something like that would be American Gangster by Jay. Um, Life After Death, Aquemini, it's on that type of level, man. Mob Deep to Infamous, it's, it's on that level. It's a, it's a classic. So this is his best album to you? No, Good Kid, Mad City is his best, but this is my, this is, this is his pinnacle right here. This, this shows his evolution as an artist. So give us some some highlight songs that you feel like, um, you know, I, I know you like it from beginning to end, but like what tracks stood out? Um, of course, the heart part five. That's not um, on, that's not on the album. You say what? That's not on the album. It's part of the album, man. Yes, it is. It's not. It is not. Okay, whatever you say. Um, the heart part five. Um, let me uh. Mr. Morale. Do you mess with do you mess with Kendrick or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um now I in full disclosure, I haven't heard the album. Um just been been busy since it dropped. Um, uh, but I was still tweaking off of his verse on family ties. So um, you know, yeah, I, I mess with Kendrick. It, and and like Vern said, it's a it's a breath of fresh air, especially having grown up in the in the the quote unquote golden era of hip hop to what we've devolved into now. Cause some of this stuff, you know, I, I very rarely this music, you know, you have music that'll that'll get you amped, but some of the stuff just makes you downright angry to somebody. I'm like, who gave this dude a deal? Why is this stuff even allowed to be played? And I have to listen to it. <laughs> so yeah. That, so do you mind do you mind just just so the people can can know you uh sharing in no particular order some of some of the artists that are in your top five in my top five um i would say jay uh scarface mm. we'll go mm. yeah we'll go uh park interesting interesting uh let's see man who else um I would say just for one particular album for me, Death Certificate Cube is always up there because Death, to me, Death Certificate one of, was one of the most okay. impactful albums, still relevant to this day, content-wise. Uh, Outcast, got to take them both. Can't just say Dre or uh, Big Boy. Got to have them both. And lastly, rounding out that top five would be uh, Biggie. I can Biggie in the top five. 
Interesting. Usually, most people choose one or the other. Um, but I feel I feel you got heavy uh, West Coast influence. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saved up my lunch money for a week and bought death certificate and listened to it every night my eighth grade year in middle school, of which I was not supposed to be. <laughs> but after I saw Boys in the Hood, um, Ice Cube was my hero. He was like Superman. Um, yeah, I, I rock deep. Uh, Detroit Tigers fitted not only because I'm from Detroit, but it's because Ice Cube warm and uh, Boys in the Hood on Friday. I always wanted to be at a cookout somewhere or a party and a girl say, can we have one night when nobody gets shot? And then I say that line, but I can't say it now. You retort, but but yeah, I was, and, and it's funny because I was literally listening to Death Certificate just in my comings and goings today. And just the content was just so heavy. And for back then, it came out, I was, in the, I was a freshman in high school when I remember it dropped on a Friday the 13th, if I recall. And I remember walking up to Northland to buy the tape, but got mm -hmm. distracted. And stopped at an arcade and messed up all my my tape money, and uh, but I still had it. You know, I bought the bootleg. <laughs> still had it. Um. So real quick, um, worldwide steppers, um, rich spirit, we cry together. Rich spirit is that the one with Kodak? No. Okay. Um. The one I like with Kodak, which is surprising, is uh, Silent Hill. But, of course, okay. my uh, personal favorite is Purple Heart. So, you already know. Of course, Wu-Tang Forever. That is correct. My Uncle Big Ghost is on that one. Uh, your boy your boy Ghost just got uh, his own day in New York. Or yes, my dream is to go to New York and Staten Island and go to his coffee shop so I can bump into my uncle. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Actually, one of my similar dreams is to go to New York to go to the Lox's Juice Bar, and I, I want to run it to Jada Kissing now. I want to hit that. I want to hit that Juice Bar really bad. And I always, you know, they actually are one of my catalysts. Like every time I be thinking about eating healthy, and you know, you think about some of your hardcore gangster rappers who have, you know, now gotten to a certain age and they thinking about health and wealth, yeah. and your drug dealer hustler favorite rappers are are now drinking <laughs> pressed juices from all life. They showed a video of um, Jada outside of a party doing uh, chin-ups, not just pull-ups, doing chin-ups and some Tim's. Yeah. Like, dog, what are we doing out here? Like, what am, what am I doing with my life? I'm listening to the music and I ain't listening to what they're preaching. OGs get conscious about their health, you know, and you got to take care of yourself. No matter what age you is. So before we veer off too far, I do want to get my thoughts on Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Now, you know I'm a certified hater, so I got it in my blood. I, yep. have, I have no shame if I don't like something that I will say. It. Um, before I get into um, all of that, I will say this. I think Kendrick is the best of the big three. When I say big three, I'm talking about the new generation goats that they consider uh, the big three, uh, Drake, J. Cole, and uh, Kendrick. Uh, so I love his music, man. Dude is so refreshing. He puts passion, heart, and uh, art in everything he does. I love that he, it's intentional. I do not like that he takes so long to drop albums. It's been five years since we got something from him. Uh, but 
if you're going to do it, do it big. And I feel like he did do it big with this Mr. Morale and the big steppers. I feel like he put his he put he put a lot into this uh, from the production side to the lyrics to the storytelling. Dude is top tier and needs to be respected in in any conversation with like uh, Eminem or whoever you feel like is lyrically just you know high level, um, just up there, just up there. Like his music is is to me timeless. Like I, I still go back to Good Kid, Mad City and bump stuff like it just came out last week. Man, that song he got with MC8, I mean, I love it, man. That's on every, that's on playlist that I work out to. <laughs> it goes hard. Um, now, talking about this album, I give it, I give it, I give it, I give it four mics. Realistically, it is not flawless. It is flawed to me. I don't think it's one of his best. I don't think it's better than his last two projects. Here's why. It's not It's not because it's not lyrical. It's not because of the production. It's not because he done missed a step. I have no desire to listen to this album repeatedly because it's so dark. Like, it, it, was, a, it was a good album, but it's, I don't want to hear therapy music all day, every day. And talking about his dad problems, his mama problems, his girlfriend problems, life problems, and all these problems that he got with no solution. I'm a solution person. Um, so it's good to talk about it, but at the end, like, what is we getting to, you know, we going to be all right or not? No. Okay. So we still going through stuff. And I felt like the whole album was 18 songs of darkness. Now he was spitting, he was spitting, talking about his gay aunties and all this stuff and, 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 and all of that, he was spitting and it, and it takes a lot of art, but I, I, I personally, and maybe because I listened to it, the first time I listened to it was at 6 a.m. in the morning, the first thing I heard when it came out. And I'm like, man, I'm hearing this woman and this man go back and forth, and it's too early for this type of arguing going on. Um, and then, like, it's a bunch of songs with Kodak. I just feel like, I don't know. I, I just I just stick with that. I give it a four out of five, no disrespect to him. I just feel like the project is a little too dark to be bumping back to back for me. I don't want to hear all that all the time. I don't want to be have an inside look in somebody's therapy session. You're going through it, go through it. But give me something. Give me something different. So that's just my opinion. Yep. That's what I expected from you. Par for the course. And listen, listen, did anything that I say he was whack? Did I say the album was whack? No. No, I gave an honest opinion from somebody that don't necessarily want to hear all that therapy music. As I said, I expect that from you, par for the course. So, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, still the best album of the year. So, absolutely um, not. Absolutely not. Absolutely. What what came out this year? It's Almost Dry is is much better than that. What what came out? It's Almost Dry is better than this. Half the songs by Kendrick, half the songs by Pharrell. That is a fire project. Don't do this. Don't do this. Boy, you out of your rabbit mind. Smokes but this album. Smokes. It's all good. It's smoke. It's, it's a few of y'all out there. So it's like I, 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 me and my homeboy was talking like I'm. we were prepared for y'all. So, you know, it's cool. But So you prepare for reality? No, I'm prepared for haters. So... And it's, um, not, it's not hate, it's reality, it's art, it's up for subjection. Right, I mean, people don't like artistic projects. Some people just want to hear, you know, Are you sure? I mean, sometimes you just want to hear you sure you talk about old, 
hip hop music. You know what I mean? So this music. You know who I like. And you know, yeah. well, you know what I'm about. I told you. Open for I, to I, told, I told you all your opinions come with an asterisk once you said you didn't like Redman. So I take what you say, but then I take it with a grain of salt. Never I never said I didn't like Redman. I said he don't deserve to be in nobody's top five. They, that's the same thing. It is not flawless. Well, hey, <laughs> if you take that, if you translate that as that, then it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Like my um, wasting my artistic Cisco and Ebert opinions on you. Uh, we're gonna hop right into the uh, the topic in here, man. The reason, of course, why I thought about um. Donnell for this uh, episode is because he's a very uh, stand up, you know, a real guy who's, uh, you know, been in law enforcement. How many years you've been in law enforcement? Oh, wow, man. Uh, is this 22? So 21 years. Yeah. So he's, um, since I've known him, his opinions have been fair. Um, he's been in it for so long um, and always been a, res a respectable officer and somebody whose opinion. Um, I always uh, value. So in these climates and in these times, man, between uh, what happened with the gentleman and and, uh, and Flint, um, this mass shooter, I thought it would be um, definitely great to address these topics. So uh, first, I want to pose a question to you, uh, bro. It, what do you think is the biggest misconception that the public or people have about officers and law enforcement and and this goes across any race any situation what do you think that people have the what is the biggest misconception people have about police officers you know that's a great question Brandon. if i could sum that up in in just one quick sentence is that people think that once somebody assumes the role of a police officer or law enforcement in whatever capacity that they now in some sort of way transcend humanity and not necessarily what we think of humanity is a good way, but just humanity and everything that it, 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 that makes up human nature, whether that be biases, whether that be fears, loves, hates, grief, people think that once you assume that, then those things are just suppressed. And that is as far from the truth is as East is from West. Um, so, if you would just look at it in that capacity, you realize that when things happen, good or bad, you know, it's not, it shouldn't surprise you when you see police officers operating with compassion and humanity, it should be expected. And then at the same time, when you see officers conduct themselves in a less than professional manner, that shouldn't surprise you as well. It should be disappointing because you would hope that somebody who is entrusted to serve and protect would not operate in such a fashion but have no greater expectations from anyone than to be human and when those things happen just always deduce it to that this, this these are humans and they are capable of whatever so i'm pretty sure you get you know randoms um people who have opinions and 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 facts or i mean people have opinions and always want to pop off or you know as soon as you guys are just supposed to take it so here's a scenario so let's say you you know a person you have the extreme so like your response or you hear people like i feel like a lot of people 
are on the side of, you know, on the side of extremes without information. So they automatically assume these movements and things like, you know, defund the police, like somebody offering an opinion to you that just like, you know what, y'all need to defund the police and, and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, so how do you handle those opinions or what do you think that like people err on the side of misinformation um, when it comes to stuff like that and, you know, your response and what is actually needed for officers um, to be safe and interact with the community? You know, I, I heard an expression once about, um, you know, defunding the police and things like that. And what people, what I heard in, in, and basically counterpoint was divesting from law enforcement. And and I surprisingly am not necessarily opposed from putting resources to help. You can't arrest your way out of societal ills. You know, when you start talking about um, socioeconomic issues and things like that, which are a lot of the fuel behind crime. I mean, you take away resources or you take away people hope, then they may resort to some some very extreme behavior. So I don't necessarily get offended. I, you know, I kind of balk at it because people have no idea what they're talking about when they say, well, we can just do this. You can't just do anything. I was listening to a um, local, uh, pretty pretty popular uh, talk show, if you will, and they had a, a gentleman who was talking about a, a particular law enforcement tool, the facial recognition and shot shot finder or something like that. And was just saying, well, you could take that money and just go hire 40 police officers. And I laughed and I said, listen, you know, there are thousands of police vacancies just in the state of Michigan. You show me where you can just go hire 40 qualified individuals that you just, and you're not just going to, to scrape the bottom of the barrel and turn them loose on society. And then I'll give you a million dollars because it's not just that easy. I mean, the vetting process should be a lot more strenuous as, than it is, because for me, one of the biggest issues in law enforcement are the wrong people occupying these these positions. You know, you can't have people who are afraid of their own shadow or people who don't you know, this was their, you know, excuse the language, but this was their backup crap job. You know, it didn't work out in underwater fire prevention or whatever else they wanted to get into. So I'll just go be the police. And now these people who are entrusted uh, with with lies, if you will, because in the state of Michigan, the average police officer has more power than the state. Why is that? Because the state of Michigan doesn't have a death penalty. So you are basically empowering an individual to, if need be, to actually take a human life. And the state doesn't even have that right. So it, it's, it requires a, a certain temperament. It requires people to be in it for the right reason. If you're not in this to help, then you shouldn't be in it at all. That's a good one. Rufus, what you got for him? I just, I, I really admire and appreciate, you know, what you, what you do or what you stand for. Um, what, what made you or what motivates you to, to take the path that you, that you have as far as your career? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a roundabout story. When I was in uh, undergrad, I went to Wayne state, graduated high school in 95, um, went to Wayne state and I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to get into medicine. So I was taking prereqs, anatomy, physiology, all the science classes, because I had aspirations to be a doctor. Um, probably about three years, three and a half years into it, I realized that number one, I didn't have the aptitude for that, nor the desire. And, and most importantly, the funds. 
you know, when you start looking at the dollars and cents of medical school. So at that time, so this is, uh, you know, I kind of would take classes here and there, went to a part-time status. So roughly right around 2000, I kind of made the decision that I had to do something. So I'm about 20 years old at this time. And uh, DPD was really hiring. Like, so I'm driving down to Wayne State, parking on the street, hoping I don't get my car towed because I got outstanding parking tickets. And uh, they would be advertising, oh, come down, work for Detroit and blah, blah, blah. So I said, hey, you know, I'll stack some money, uh, save enough money to go back to school, and then I'll, I'll get into what I really want to do. So, you know, by 2001-ish, started the police academy, summer 2001, graduated winter of 2002 and got assigned to uh, Vern's favorite place, the East Side. I was in the ninth precinct and uh, I absolutely fell in love with law enforcement. And it wasn't the the power that you have, you know, it wasn't, you know, that I rode, rode around looking sweet in this uniform. It was as I, uh, I knew what the, the, the quote unquote bad guys were. I, I grew up on the East Side, so I could immediately make an impact on my neighborhood. You know, if I saw somebody, you riding down the street, you street, and I've seen this, just throw a whole pizza box out the window. You could actually do something about that and not worry about provoking a confrontation. Like, hey, my man, pick that up. You know, this is your home. And just being able to do those things and to have an immediate effect on my community, I absolutely loved it. Um, 2003, got married. You know, I was doing all of the fun stuff, chasing down the, you know, the, the real bad guys and all of that good stuff. Got married in 2003. Uh, mentality shifted a little bit like, oh, hey, man, you know, you could get hurt doing this stuff. Uh, wife gets, you know, pregnant with our oldest. Mind frame totally shifted at that point. It was it was all about making it home. Ended up going out to the Romulus Police Department in 2006. And uh, roughly around 2009, I started working in the school space. I was the school resource officer for Romulus Community Schools. Right. And uh, and I tell you, man, for six years, I did not go to work. It was for six years, all we did, me, and there were a handful of other brothers that worked in the district, uh, in the high school space, principal included. All we did was figure out ways, how are we going to save these kids? Mm. You know, we would really go in this space. And I mean, it was truly non-traditional policing. I bought pregnancy tests. I bought condoms. I bought, I fed these jokers, took them to get haircuts, relationship advice, and it was all from the space of law enforcement. So I saw up front how impactful it could be. And everybody loved OJ. Everybody loved Officer Jackson. It was, there was never a situation if somebody said, you know, F the police, which never offended me. I just wanted to make sure I was the person who was, I wasn't the reason that you were saying F the police. Mm. You know, my kids would be like, man, F the police, F 12, except OJ, OJ cool. <laughs> and uh, and I, I had, I mean, I love my kids. I, I would tell them that. People would, did you just tell them you loved it? Absolutely. I love, the, I love these jokers in here. You know, to this day, uh, I stopped working in the schools when I got promoted in 2015 and also was coaching. So to this day, you know, I still have young people who I can reach out to who, or vice versa. Even some, unfortunately, who were locked up. Just got a message from a young man that got incarcerated for doing some big boy stuff. You know, let me know he was coming home soon. And he wanted to hook, you know. Who do you who in jail reaches out to the police and hey man, I want to see you when I come home? I would think if you locked up, the last person you want to see is the police. But because of the relationship, you know, those intentional relationship building, you know, he he didn't see me as that. That's what I did. That's not what I was. Mm. So that's good, man. 
and it's good that you come from the community. You're able to uh, to speak the language, quote unquote. Um, I know a lot of people kind of look down on outsiders coming in trying to police in a community that they don't know about. Um, so it's good just to, just to kind of hear hear your story. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, so I was, um, you know, also wondering about, um, so in, in that type of space where, um, you know, you have people who, you know, end up doing big boy stuff or, you know, you talked about those other issues that are a factor, um, you know, you have some officers or even people in general who believe that, you know, lock them up is the only choice, you know, all of them, you know, if you're a criminal, you're an animal, um, you know, harshest penalty um, that can, the law will allow. So where do you believe that, or as society, do we have compassion versus punishment? And does the punishment you believe rehabilitate or does it send a message or, are people just going to be who they they are? You know, I think that it's a, it's not just a simple yay or nay type of answer. Um, I said it earlier, you can't police your way out of societal ills. There are a lot of things that fuel, um, you know, criminality, if you will. So when you start looking at the root causes of there, are, there are, I, I, I make no no bones about it. There are some people who need they don't play well with others and they need to be locked away. They they've decided that doing things. The, the way that doesn't harm other people is not for them. And they are looking just to victimize people. Those folks, uh, and we, we've seen him, you know, case in point, this young man in Buffalo, don't give him the opportunity to harm anybody else. You know, there are people like that where you have to, you have to protect everybody else from them. I mean, I am a, I am a, I'm, I would like to consider myself a good guy, but sometimes I have to be, a super villain to remain a good guy. And that means if I, if that means I have to shift my mindset saying, you know, uh, th the obvious thing to say is nobody should be locked away forever. But the, the caveat to that is if you do certain things and you've harming people and you're destroying families, then that's what you need to be. You've made your decision. Uh, this is America. We have the right to make our own decisions and I'm going to respect your decision and everything that came with said decision. So for, for those who don't know, if you could, um, and just for the sake of, of um, recording, you know, the thoughts of today, can, can somebody break down what happened in Buffalo? Because we keep alluding to it. Um, yeah, white supremacy at its finest. Um, dude plotted for days, um, had a manifesto about how much he disliked black people, um, scouted that location, uh, which had the highest low uh, population of black folks and uh, literally drove three hours to that grocery store to uh, kill as many people as he could. He had body armor, um, everything that you can think of. And uh, he murdered 10 people critically or they're in stable condition now. Um, uh, he killed 11. No, I'm sorry. Uh, he shot 11 total uh, black people, two whites, um, armed to the teeth with body armor. And, um, of course, he was uh, taken alive. Yeah. So, which is, uh, you know, part of my next question, which sometimes 
I'm on either side of the fence about, um, well, I'm definitely on the side of tougher background checks and mental evaluations, but homeboy was 18, probably got that rifle um, with no questions. And um, so my thing is the mental, the, the extra background checks and gun control. I don't feel like gun control is ever going to change in this country. Um, it is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, I feel like there definitely needs to be stronger mental evaluations for people purchasing a gun. I don't think law-abiding, non-crazy folks should have a problem with it. And uh, But then I also believe in the right to bear arms. I feel like, you know, if I could, <laughs> I would purchase a firearm every other week just because I like them. You know, I love to shoot. I love to collect. I wish I could be like Billy Rosewood from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, so it's like I'm I'm on either side of the fence. So you, do you believe that gun control helps the problem or is it a mental health issues or is it just a myriad of reasons of why we leave the world in mass shootings? Um, I think that people just need to be honest with themselves. You know, when the what is the ultimate argument for firearm ownership? Well, it's our right. And we have to protect ourselves. The government rises up, blah, blah, blah. People should just be honest and say just what you said, Vern. I like guns. I, I like to own them. I like to shoot them. And I think then people would, they would be more receptive to um, intelligent gun control, if you will. People don't like the word gun control, so call it whatever you want to call it. But I, I've been an avid shooter since I was seven years old. You know, I hunted, I did all of that good stuff. But at the same time, I, I do believe 2000% that just because you have it doesn't mean you should, You just because you have the right, if you will, doesn't mean you should, everybody should own a gun. I mean, I when I worked in, uh, in the city of Romulus, there was an individual who on several occasions, we had to take his guns from him from doing basically criminal things. And because the way the law works, the first, the first two times we had to give them back. Um, you know, there's such red tape when it comes to reporting those type of things, the mental health piece and, uh, and deeming somebody mentally unfit. It's a lot to that. And the, the gun world, if you will, does not really want that to become any easier. So they are willing, and this is just my, you know, my opinion, obviously, this is, don't attach this to anybody or any organization, that they are willing to continue to sacrifice lives for money, because as long as the gun manufacturers and ammunition manufacturers are making billions of dollars and they can continue to promote fear, because that's what a lot of this stuff is rooted in. I got to have this gun in case this happens. So it's all about fear. Then then they're never going to relinquish that because it just doesn't make sense monetarily to do so. All right. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I am definitely guilty of. Uh of liking guns like when people say you have no explanation like my dream is to have guns that i have no explanation for like why do you have a 50 caliber rifle i don't know because i want to say go buy h1 hummer there's no earthly reason to own that other than you want one and, right. that's, and that's and that's honest you know somebody well what if this nope that's not good i mean i have a lot of guns a lot of guns and i always joke about with the zombie apocalypse come i'm good so, um, yeah, 
people just need to be honest with themselves. I don't have, you know, I, I've seen what a predator drone can do. I know the guns that I have, it can do nothing if the government decided that, you know what, I'm sick of the people and we're going to declare war on our people. I can, get, I can have all the guns in the world. I ain't going to do nothing about it. So right. I'm just honest. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's my exact same sentiment. So, um, so tell me what, like goes through the mind of, or what do you think goes through the mind of an officer or, you know, in those situations where we've seen many a time where it seems like one person ends up on the wrong side of the gun, like the gentleman in Flint, um, not asking to, you know, deconstruct the whole situation or, you know, can you see where an officer or somebody in that situation really feels like they their lives are in danger. Have you looked at all these shootings and, and thought like, I kind of get it? Or do you find yourself saying like, that just doesn't make any sense? Or are they all, you know, because it seemed like some officers, the ones who don't agree with it, don't speak out, or we sometimes don't see it. But the ones who support it is what we hear all the time in the media. You know, they back them and they back them. They want them back and stuff like that. You know, do officers ever sit back and be like, man, that situation was messed up. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it does. But it needs to be a lot more of it. I mean, the more the when there are things that are blatantly wrong, George Floyd, for example, um, the I don't think it was South Carolina when he shot the, the gentleman in the back. When things are blatantly wrong like that, you have to have these police unions and you have to have who are, who are historically the most vocal when it comes to supporting even questionable situations. You know, I, I have a, a, a rule of mine that I don't make it. My opinions are even rooted in fact. So I try not to even make an opinion unless I have as much information as possible. You shouldn't. And that just goes outside of the box that you shouldn't be making decisions you know, when you make your position on something public, you should at least get as much information as possible. I think that you owe it to yourself to not be deemed um, a, a, a joker who's not credible just because you want to be the first person to scoop something. So, yeah, I say it all the time. You know, I, I have no issue publicly, uh, you know, just vilifying these things when they are, because that's what they should be. We have to be in the law enforcement space. We have to be the loudest voice and say, listen, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. That was wrong. That's criminal behavior. He should be arrested. So, you know, I, I don't have any issue doing it. I think when you don't do that, that's how you lose the people. You're always going to have fringes. You're always going to have people who, after police, regardless, they, you, they're, they're just going to be there. These people who don't like authority, they're always going to be there. But when you start losing the, the faith of people who are on the fences, who are reasonable individuals, because they're like, come on, man, y'all not going to say nothing about this. I mean, you, you that's wrong. You have to call a duck a duck. And that's why we have to do that things. And that's how you you kind of bridge that gap between the people is by speaking out. You know, people say all the time, well, we're all the good cops when the bad cops are doing stuff. Well, the thing about it is that most bad cops don't do things in front of, you know, good people if you have a family member who you know is in the criminality you may know he's in the stuff but he's not going to do it around you so when you have these things pop out it's not like there's a, a this conspiracy behind the scenes okay when when officer johnny decides to shoot somebody else we're not going to say anything about it 
more often than not, we don't know that that fool was planning on doing that stuff because he's not going to make his presence known, at least around people who who don't think the way that he thinks. That's good talk. Rufus, what you got? No, man, I, I think that, that covers. I love hearing his point of view. Um, I really always just like to hear the origin story behind the heroes on the streets, man. Yeah, that was definitely dope, man. Um, like I said, I brought him on because I wish, you know, we had the opportunity to act, um, interact with uh, more officers like him. I know it's plenty, plenty of them on the street. Uh, me, me personally, I feel like law enforcement is just like every other job across the world. You got a whole bunch of good people, but you got a few bad apples that stick out and mess it up for the rest of them. Um, I have way too many friends, um, family, in law enforcement, and so many divisions, and uh, I know way too many good. <laughs> and multiple times, officers didn't let me go out of tickets to feel like, you know, after the police. I, I'm not there, you know, never have been close to it, because, you know, a lot of these, you know, after the police people, <laughs> something go down, they be on that 911. So, you know, I think, um, I just think it needs to be more dialogue, man. Uh, I think it needs to be more community involvement on our side. I think like officers are um, out there to reach out and sometimes we need to be more accept, you know, um, accepting, especially in our community, man. Um, I don't know about y'all, I'm getting a little tired of this uh, no snitching stuff and you know, never talking to the cops and all that garbage, especially when I see people on the first 48 singing like songbirds, um, snitching anytime they start facing them uh, football numbers in jail, telling on everybody. So, um, yeah, man, I think it was good talk. Um, I appreciate you uh, for coming on, Donnell, Officer Jackson. Um, so, yeah, man, we appreciate this. It was dope talking to you, brother. Much appreciated, man. Anytime, you know, that we can do things to bridge the gap. And that's, that's my thing, man. I'm all about relationship building. I'm all about problem solving. You know, we can, okay, we got a problem. Somebody start presenting solutions, you know, and then some of the solutions, it have to be a feasible solution, not some nonsense that you know is not going to work. Come on with some real and we can figure it out between the two of us. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So that was good talk, man. Um, me and Rufus, we uh, definitely going to keep coming at y'all. And, you know, as being OGs with kids, wives, and life, sometimes we may uh, <laughs> may be a little bit tied up. So, uh, yes, you know, until I, hit, until I hit that lottery and hire me a nanny and a butler, you know, we're going to try our best. So, not a butler, a, not a butler, a house manager like Jeffrey. No, they cost too much. I just want a straight up butler to answer the door and fetch me my slippers. Well, I mean a house manager. I need him to know where everybody is. <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, we got the next one. We'll be, be uh, back at y'all. I'm about to go listen to Mr. Morale and Big Steppers album of the year before the game come on. So uh, yeah, man. We'll be seeing y'all soon. All right. All right. Yeah, brothers. All right, fellas.